from the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we are turning our spotlight on filmmaker Ellen Mullen. With several years in the arts, Ellen is a theatrical badass. She received her MFA in dramaturgy from Columbia University, worked in CAA's theater department, and raised a joyful hell as the Flea Theater's audience development manager. You can find her during the day writing, editing, and playing with words all day as the associate creative director of Situation, where she dreams of content to help build brands for clients that range from Meals on Wheels to the Tony Awards. At night, Ellen exercises her digital creativity as a filmmaker, and her short film, Effacement, was selected as a grant recipient of the Inwood Film Festival Filmmaker Fund from Inwood Artworks. We're going to talk about that, her work, and so much more. But first, Ellen, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, it's really good to see you in person. Uh, it's been a long time coming, uh, and so I'm so happy to to share this space with you and in, in, in being able to say hello. Uh, but first, I just want to check in just to see how are you and your family doing? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we are grateful and uh, tired and hopeful and together. Um, so you know this, but... Uh, Last February, I had my first baby, baby Maeve, uh, two weeks before lockdown occurred. So it has been a fascinating, blurry, beautiful, uh, strange time to become parenting, um, parenting in a pandemic, really. Um, and, you know, we try to focus on the everyday and not get ahead of ourselves because, you know, it's, uh, I'm really feeling it with winter right now. Yeah. <laughs> winter is definitely, it's a cold day today. Uh, it's been a big year. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Well, that occurrence in February <laughs> you had, that bundle of joy, mm -hmm. uh, I want to bring that directly to your work because um, i like you to start talking about the mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. behind effacement. Uh, and so could you tell our listeners uh, about the genesis for the idea for everything and perhaps where you were in your life mm -hmm. at the time? that propelled you to write about what would eventually become the screenplay for it. Definitely. So I had always had a phobia of birth and that phobia grew as I grew older in different ways. And there were these keystone moments that crafted a bigger story. And my husband knew that I wanted to have a family, but I had this huge fear, but I didn't really feel like I had, un I had unpacked why. And so without ever really thinking about the production possibilities, I had been building up these fears and memories for literally like over 15 years. And then one weekend, I just wrote it in 48 hours. I just let it all out and tried to craft meaning and obviously abstracted it. And it's not... Um, dead on my life there's it's informed by that but trying to tell the story of how it became not just a physical fear but an emotional fear a financial fear this question of what it means to become an adult what does it mean to create life and that power and privilege assuming that you're even able to have kids right like this is all before this is just the idea of what if we actually try this not all of the various 
aftershocks. And it was really me trying to communicate with him. But I started to share it with my writer friends and realized it was also a way for me to communicate and connect with others and to help other women specifically not feel alone that this was abnormal, that this is such a huge choice that when you really think about it, um, it's an irrevocable decision um, going on that journey. And so that's where it really began as far as how do I let my caring, empathetic, amazing husband really understand what it is that I'm having trouble communicating in words in a different way. And so I had been noodling with this script and I had, um, I had been working with Rally Cat Theater, which is run by uh, Marella Cook, who lives up in Inwood. She had a theatrical lab a couple of years ago and had brought it in there. And my husband is a filmmaker um, and I am a writer and obviously have a theatrical background, but I had never written a film. And as a dramaturg, I think a lot about form. And this felt like the right form for this story. When it came out, it came out this way. It came very visual. In my work, I do a lot of video content creation, but it's always for a client. So this was very different in that it was so personal. It was for different reasons. And oh, goodness, I'm talking a lot. But uh, <laughs> it's OK. You're allowed to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's how the film came about. And then I was a huge fan of Inwood Artworks because my husband had a film in an earlier festival. And um, I saw this grant, and I thought, you know, we live in Inwood. We've been in upstate Manhattan for years. Um, I feel like this story, you know, there's the, I heard someone say once, like, this is the best place to raise kids in Manhattan, right? Like, and it felt very, um, like a story that could affect a lot of people in the community who were at this phase in their life. And so I wanted to share it. And so I said, let's try it, right? Like, let's put this out. And I was stunned and honored um, to be given this grant. And it's been an amazing, exciting process because I've never seen something that I've created for this type of purpose come to life um, and had um, so many people come together to support it. Well, you did say a mouthful. And I think <laughs> I don't I think we can end the interview now because I, Great, think, I hit it all. <laughs> you hit it all. There's no more questions to be had uh, no, in all in all seriousness. Um, uh, going back to what you said, you, you said it and I'm picking up on it is that it was for me as someone who, well, created the grant, just put it that way. Uh, it was wonderful to see such a personal story. Um, and you hope, um, and it can be argued that the best art and I, the, I, the beholder of course, but, uh, is the most personal. It comes from a very personal place that from, but from that personal, um, uh, point of view though, it becomes incredibly universal the way you begin paying attention to form and and mm -hmm. and how the best medium and best way to tell that story that it's not again it's not just you i never saw you as that person mm -hmm. we it was a much bigger idea and ideas and that you that you're bringing into it and so i think this film will be incredibly insightful and helpful to many people well thank you for saying that i hope so too yeah um so <laughs> going back to february now 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 that you had made a very finite decision yes. <laughs> you, you had yes. the baby <laughs> and being a mother uh so you still had to make the film because the film was written yes but uh and for those of you who don't work in digital mediums they uh, and theater for that matter too um it's ever evolving mm -hmm. uh until it's picture locked essentially mm -hmm. so i'm curious 
um, having this great impetus and um, as Zelda Fitch Handler would once say, there's the measle, the core, mm -hmm. the drive behind this whole film. How much did having be, becoming a mother affect the project? Oh, because well, you had a different perspective at that point. Yeah, it my, was my hope that I'd be able to finish before I had the baby, which was incredibly ambitious. And then to have such a huge life transformation occur, and then to live in a pandemic, it um, it's fascinating. I was thinking about it this morning, where I will always have that experience of how I felt and how those stories um, propelled this film. But even during our filming, while I was pregnant, I noticed a shift. And part of it was because I don't have all the technical know-how. And that's really the beauty of working with my husband who has all that. So he'd ask very specific questions. And I was macro in a way that I'm normally not. Because I'm very meticulous with words. I'm very detail-oriented. And I knew like I had a color palette I wanted to use. I knew that this was the framing. I didn't want to see that in there. But as far as lots of actually performance questions and questions regarding technicalities, I was able to trust, really just say, you know, what do you think's right? Like I'm not, that wasn't my concern. And I feel like a lot of that is also where I find motherhood as far as there's so many uncontrollable things, right? There's so much that is um, you're learning as you go and opening yourself up to that and really trying to listen and create space um, that's been different as far as what are we really trying to get at and to let go of um, a lot of perfectionism. Um, so that's been, I think, just a difference in me as a human and overcoming that fear, you know, having this huge fear, being able to do this project, having, being blessed to have a baby and in a crazy twist of fate, having a natural birth in a hospital, like all sorts of um, powerful change um and growth so i don't know if that necessarily answered your question but i'd say um it's uh, it's ever growing and changing but the core of the script and the words drive so many of the choices that um there's no colors that are different now that i'm a mother but my own understanding is different and how i approach it is different gotcha and so going on to that last hurdle then, then you had to make your film during a pandemic. Yes. And yes. so could you, and this is your first film, even though you, again, mm -hmm. quite large diaspora of projects you've worked on. You've worked on, I'm sure you worked on digital medium products, projects before oh, yeah. and content through your, through your work, uh, lifelong history in theater. But, uh, but you're, you're shepherding your own projects quite different. For sure. And I, you know, the, it's, it's fascinating, especially because it, I feel like a great example is the first scene in the film, which we worked on with a local school and the amount of time that went into the partnership and the communication and all of the support. And ultimately it's seven seconds, right? And so right now we've spent the majority of our time editing because we want to make sure that when we do film the remaining pieces, everyone's as safe as possible. And I think one of the biggest challenges, and uh, this actually goes back to your other qu question, 
I had hoped that a couple of the scenes that involved a lot of babies, I would have this new community of mothers and babies after I had this baby, right? Like, it'd be a great way for, like, an introverted person to make friends, to be like, hey. It's like central casting. Right? You just, you like, just tell your friends to show up for babies. a day, right? And um, I have no baby friends. <laughs> it's Aww. very sad um, uh, as far as, like, who uh, my daughter sees. She just started daycare at um, the college my husband works at, and she's 11 months old, but it's been... I'm sure that you've dealt with this challenge. How do you, when so many people have moved or left or um, are scared or, or have different levels of comfort, how do you make sure that everyone feels safe in coming together? Um, yeah, so that's something I'm very, and I'm very, very cautious. So it's, uh, it's become a much longer process than anticipated but I'm hoping that it will continue to create connections and opportunities for people and that we can continue to invite people in in new ways. You mentioned that to use a local school mm -hmm. uh, as one of your locations. How has um, Inwood and I'll say physically mm -hmm. and uh, culturally played into your film? Inwood is every single location in my film. Wow. And um, we, not only did we try to have a baby and make a film last winter, but we also decided to move um, from one Inuit apartment to another. And something had opened up in a building that we had friends with. And I'm so, so grateful that ultimately we did because that is our quarantine pod. And being able to have another couple in the building where they've been able to, you know, help watch the baby, be able to have friends just has been huge. Um, we want to shoot at Buny. We've been in talks with them, uh, but that was a big baby scene. We uh, shot in various apartments. We're going to be shooting on Payson in the spring when things are beautiful and glorious, and hopefully people are feeling a bit, um, uh, hopefully think we're in a different place as far as the pandemic, but we'll, but we'll see. So everything's here. The community is amazing. Um, and even beyond Inwood, it's amazing how a film will bring people together. So previous people that I had worked with at CAA have, you know, come together and say, hey, how can I help your film? We had one scene that was super meta where it's, um, it's a birthday party, but we decided to make it um, an impromptu baby shower as well. So, you know, come here, celebrate, be in the film type of thing. Um, yeah, it's just been such a, a joyful gathering. That's fantastic, because um, I feel like there are a lot of resources to be tapped up here, mm -hmm. uh, and not to mention in, in your one of the reasons why I started this podcast is that um, it goes true to our mission of the organization is that there's a wide diaspora of incredibly talented people up here that are also very resourceful, who are entrepreneurs, who can be helpful to each other mm -hmm. in creating art and creating community, and I think your film is achieving both i would hope uh but uh and i i know it is because you're in you're when you're in production you're in the thick of it it's hard to literally see the forest of the trees when you're when you're inside the forest <laughs> so uh and Inwood has a gorgeous forest i mean we shot by the the big sea by muscata marsh mm -hmm. there's just there's so many different locations and settings and um it's a beautiful it's really it, to me it's like the last place i i want to live in manhattan like this is where as long as i'm here this is where i'm at Amen to that. Mm -hmm. um, well, in your life as a creative director, mm -hmm. you spend a great deal of effort helping other people build brands mm -hmm. and their products. And 
indie film as well as indie theater is a very do-it-yourself culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel now more than ever in our socially distant age, uh, a lot more is being asked of filmmakers and theater makers uh, and digital content creators as they launch their content and as they mm -hmm. move to launch their content. So I'm curious with your background and also being uh, in the midst of your own project to finish it and launch it. Uh, do you have any advice for them and perhaps yourself as you and they mm -hmm. try to reach audiences coming up? Sure. I think that, um, I think it's really important to hit the why of what it is that you're trying to do. And I know that there is a lot of pressure on really everyone to create content, to build content, to get followers. And it can be exhausting and time consuming. And it's clearly a job, right? Like it is work. And so to me, it's a question of, is this what you want to do? Who can help support you? What story are you telling? Personally, I like to work like a snail. How are you crafting content so that you can release things? Because there's creating content and then there's releasing content, literally publishing, and then there's engaging content. And there are so many different parts. So I would say it's a question of what is your work trying to do and extending it in a digital way, what does that mean? And what are you willing to invest in? Um, and it might be that, you know, right now we're working on editing and we've released a little bit on social media, but we haven't done that campaign. We haven't done that push at this moment in time because that's not our focus. And I can see how some people might want to be doing more as they're doing it type of thing. It's, there's so many different approaches and so many different platforms. Um, and I think that it can be really easy to get lost in feeling like you need to, um, generate just constantly um and so i would urge everyone just to take a step back and just to really think thoughtfully about what it is you're trying to do and to realize that it takes time and patience and um it's a lot of work it absolutely is but that's great advice and i think it's important for people to realize too is that their content it's you said it really well i just want to echo it is that it's not enough just to create the content. It's how you're going to deliver and package the content and how it's going to be. And then it's a message sent, message received system. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very basic. It sounds simple. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is, um, this is really what I do for a living. And so I work with uh, many people who have very specific jobs in creating those relationships and in we have designers, we have strategists, we have community managers, um, we have account people. Like, there's, it's a whole microcosm. Um, yes, so there's a lot there. Well, being the theatrical badass that you are, <laughs> um, do you have any strong feelings about upcoming projects with, I know you have this one here, so I was wondering if it's mm -hmm. allowed you to um, test the waters on other plays, if, if it's opened more doors for yourself and ideas for other ideas to explore and where you might be in those process of creating those ideas and bring to fruition. It's given me such a great amount of confidence. And, you know, it's funny, I have this very, um, very bold bio, right? Like very bold, right? I'm a theatrical badass. I, you know, active verbs, all that stuff. But the reality was it wasn't until about, I guess five and a half years ago that I received a title at Situation, which was I was a creative content supervisor when I started. And having someone give me that title 
drastically and in ways I couldn't understand changed how I felt about um, myself, right? That idea of what does it mean to be an artist and who claims that versus who gives that or how do you change your perspective of yourself and especially having invested so much time in dramaturgy, which I love and I'm very grateful for my MFA, but that's really, in my mind, it was a support role. And so it took me a long time to get to this place where I felt confident in putting my own work out there. Um, and I've always done my own work, but sometimes it's a form of processing or healing or things that I didn't necessarily want to share. So this grant really changed, I guess that whole period of my life, I've just um, grown in a different way and seen the, the power of encouragement um, and just the really how our minds work, right? What, what needed to happen in order for me to feel like, no, I am, I can, I can do this type of thing. Um, yeah. So as far as new projects, oh goodness, it's, uh, there's, what a strange time, right? It's, I started when I was pregnant. I feel like it's an enfacement continuation, writing every month a piece about the pregnancy, but using the form of you, right? So it would be a way for someone else to understand like what this felt like. And then after Maeve was born, I started writing an alternative baby book, if you will, where it was like each month, let me write to her about what she was like. And in hindsight now, I'm like, I've got this film. I've got, am I working on a book? Like what's happening? Right, so that's all related to that. But then um, being able to start on a film has also unlocked the idea of like, well, I've always wanted to do it. Why haven't I noodled with a novel? Like just trying new forms and um, being braver. Well, I think that's great. And as you said before, listen, it doesn't sound like a snail's pace of work to me. <laughs> it sounds like you've been very busy. And the reason why I asked the question too is that pandemic or people think you're going away in some kind of Dickensian garret and you're, and you're going to be working feverishly on writing David Copperfield or something. Uh, but it's, it, people respond in different ways. Some people think um, uh, quantity and being prolific is the way they need to express themselves. Other people, uh, sometimes ideas, like you were saying before, a facement as... 15 years of gestation mm -hmm. of ideas and feelings and emotions and being able to find ways to articulate those. Um, so perhaps, uh, perhaps your writings will feed into something else or perhaps they will be a collection of something who mm -hmm. knows. Um, but it's fantastic that you're still chasing the muse, so to speak when, on, on this, on this theme. Mm -hmm. Um, not that's not to say that you have to keep on this theme forever, but, uh, we could, I could only hope, um, if Facebook will for other people, as it seems, as it is doing for you, brings them a greater understanding of themselves as it seems like it's allowed you to pursue a greater understanding of yourself. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a real gift. So thanks again for pursuing the muse and, <laughs> and making this crazy film. Uh, it's not crazy at all, but it's uh, pr the process is crazy of creating it through COVID. So um, finally, uh, because you do straddle mediums uh, live and uh, the digital world, do you have any strong feelings about the current state of professional theater, how it's being digitized or attempting to be digitized and how it will return on and off 
uh, Broadway. We'll see when it becomes safe to do live. And I'm just curious, uh, and there's no wrong or right answers. It's like, what do you think it's going to look like? And, and better yet, what do you want it to look like? Before the pandemic, I always ask the question, does this need to be theater? Like, why is this theater? What does it mean for us to sit together, to come together, to see this story? And how is this story being told? And what is theatricality? And those are really some of my favorite questions. And I'm drawn to theater because of ritual and community. And it's one of the things that I miss the most during this time, as far as sitting in the dark with strangers and experiencing something together in real time where there is human possibilities. Um, and so I think that that core of theater, that idea of coming together and experiencing something at the same time and sharing the same air will be hopefully, you know, possible in the future. I hope that it becomes much more inclusive and affordable and something that all Americans can experience. Um, I think that culturally we don't have the tradition the way that other countries do, nor the support. Right now, I wish that I could say I was watching more digital theater. I missed the Wilma's production that I desperately wanted to see. I know that there's so much streaming all the time. And um, right now, I am incredibly fortunate in that I am working full time somehow still. Um, and that is more handling education and cause clients at the moment. But juggling the job and the baby during this time, um, I haven't really been able to uh, engage in the way that I was in the past. So there's, uh, I know, I feel like there's, everyone's doing like journals and live events and um, trying to create opportunities. And I like what you said earlier about just it's, um, you know, it's a time of experimentation and entrepreneurship and people are discovering and hopefully growing and connecting with other people and lifting the stories that need to be heard. So um, it's a, a windy answer to say that I am hopeful for positive change and growth. And I think that this time is incredibly clarifying. Um, and that is exciting. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And um... I want to say again, congratulations on your major production of having the child before the <laughs> pandemic and congratulations on nearly finishing a basement, which will be finished possibly at the end of the pandemic. Uh, it will be finished. The question is just when. Yes. And, uh, and as always, uh, if you could help Ellen out, please reach out to her and she'll be happy <laughs> to, sure. to take you up on that. But uh, as you always know, you have our help here. And um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and it's a pleasure having you here in person and um uh is there a place that people might be able to go and follow a faceman and perhaps your work sure so my instagram is at l underscore mull a e l l e underscore m u l l and we'll be posting updates there fantastic oh, oh my gosh i'm so sorry that was silly you should follow in what artworks yeah, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to blame this on baby brain because she's teething and I woke up very early. But um, yeah, follow Inward Artworks. Well, we'll do our best, of course. We're, 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 big, we're big cheerleaders for your work, so that'll oh, happen too. But we have no problem with them going directly to the source. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, you will, 
you will see effacement at hopefully the next Inwood Film Festival. And we're working very diligently and hard on creating that in some way, shape, or form. Again, when it's safe and um, also welcoming to everyone to participate because mm -hmm. we're all about, uh, as Ellen also eloquently said, um, sitting in the dark with strangers. What a wonderful thing to do because mm -hmm. Once you have that experience, you're really no longer strangers anymore. You've shared that experience and you become a part of something that you witnessed together that will never happen again mm -hmm. in that moment, which is pretty beautiful. So thanks again, Ellen, for joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please do show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And I want to thank our local small business, 809 Restaurant and Lounge here in Inwood for hosting us. And also to HeightSites.com for our local uptown promotional support. We really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the film festival, film works al fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support Inwood Artworks on air and all of our free programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate if you are so inclined to do so. We greatly appreciate it. Inwood Artworks on air is made possible with funding from the NYC and Company Foundation with support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer and the NISCA Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.